another episode of Not A Purse Podcast. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I was waiting for that. <laughs> That's quite the intro. Yep. Right? Yep. That sound is going to be so good because of us. Yay. We're ready. Yeah. So. And as you can hear, we have another mm-hmm. guest. We have a very special guest. <laughs> Go ahead, Joya. I give you the privilege of introducing him. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm going to let him introduce himself. This is this is how this needs to happen. I can't put enough respect on this man's name. So <laughs> I'm going to let him uh, do the honors. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Ooh-la-la. Wow. I don't even know. Y'all are making me feel special. I'm just... Uh, usually when I'm asked to introduce myself, I, I say I'm just a guy. Um... But yeah, my name is Jitebe. I usually go by G or Gaz the King Wokwe. Um, and I do a lot of things. So let's let's leave the intro there for now. <laughs> that was very short. So this guy is, yeah, he, like he said, he does a lot of things. I'm not going to steal his thunder, but he is one of the most caring people that I know. I know him from dance, so let me start by saying another dance community person on this podcast because we are dancers, <laughs> these are our people. And uh, yeah, I recently went to an event thrown by our very special guest. And even though like I knew him before, I knew him from the community, I knew kind of the work that he's been doing, the organization he's been putting together, I was just really touched and really impressed with the way that event went because I went as a full participant. So I did it like I did it like anybody else was going to do it. But the experience that I walked away with just was <laughs> was was different. Was different. And that kind of inspired after a few other talks, inspired like this idea to have him on the podcast and just pick his brain about things. Yeah. Um, that's very very elaborate uh, way to put your experience. <laughs> I hope there's uh, there's things to actually pick in this brain. So Yeah, uh. definitely. <laughs> Um, yeah, super excited to share. I, I didn't even know like you felt that way. I was like, wow, you really like, oh, saw this picture and then you're like, oh, this is the experience. And um, I'll be curious actually as you go to learn. As I as you pick my brain, I'll also be curious to learn from your experience what certain things feel like as well. So hopefully you'll be happy to indulge. One of the things that I noticed from that event, which is actually going to be the lead into my first question for you, um, was the kind of environment that was created. Very, very different from typical dance events, which I know is intentional, but there was just Mm -hmm. a big emphasis on sharing, on people being together and being able to share like through conversation and them sharing their authentic selves and kind of fostering that sense of like belonging, community, being together. So I'm just curious kind of how, how did you fall into the business of creating space for people to, to talk? <laughs> I love uh, the question. <laughs> that's a very, very good question. Very big question. And I'll try to answer it. I think a lot of it is because I've, like I said, I do many things and I've put on so many different caps. And what that means is that I have to get into spaces and bring, I feel like, a version of me. 
And in so many different settings, there was always an expectation for what version to bring. If I'm an athlete, I'm supposed to project this or that. Um, if I show up to something that I've been invited to by my parents, I'm supposed or expected to show up a certain way in that setting. And so I almost got tired of this idea of um, having to project all these different things and decided to try and be consistent in so in how I show up across all these spaces and almost have my level, what I bring or what I am. And what that meant for me is that I would get into a setting where I say I'm an athlete and people expect me to behave a certain way or have a certain cool factor. And then when I didn't, because I decided to just live my life at the same kind of level, what would then happen is people's reaction to that would be usually be surprised, right? So it's whether I'm I'm a student athlete and then I go just hang out with, in uh, quote-unquote, their regular kids. And then they're like, oh, an athlete's hanging out with us. And I'm like, uh, am I supposed to be different? But then I started noticing that the impact that had is it, it started to be able to inspire people and almost give them something to reach for. And like, like, oh, if this regular person can express themselves to me and be open with their struggles or things that they go through, just be regular and normal, then some of the things that I struggle with, I can also overcome because it's not just me. And so every space I now occupied, I wanted to show up truly as myself, but that also meant creating space for others to show up as themselves and valuing them right where they're at. And um, everything I think stemmed from that, the idea of it doesn't matter who I am, it doesn't matter who you are, I will give you value and I'll give you respect. Now, over time in different communities I've been a part of, there's always gaps that arise that I see where, you know, certain types of people or certain demographics um, feel unseen, feel undervalued. And uh, you said like, I'm supposedly so this cool person or whatever that is, but I still don't see myself like that. So what happens is if I create space for people, I think it inspires them to also create space for others and then everyone feels seen and included. And that also creates a better vibe for me to be around selfishly as well. So it's not all for other people. It's also very selfish. Um, and I have to add that. So I don't know if that, kind of slightly answers your question. I think I gave you the foundation of where that comes from for me. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, That's a good start. And I love that you're like, you're not this cool guy. So let me let me backfill some information here because I feel like people need to know this. This man is <laughs> he's one of the the co-founders and you know the main people with Zambia House, which is an event organization and vibe company i don't even know what to call it it's just it's it, it does so many things, right? Neither do I. <laughs> which is which is a big enough deal but he's also a musical artist so he, he creates music like i said he's a dancer he is a community leader in a lot of ways in the different communities that he's a part of so when you say like you're not this cool person and people are just like oh yeah this cool guy i think the things that you do and the way that you show up in these different roles makes you a cool guy you know mm -hmm. what i mean like yeah <laughs> you're that guy <laughs> and 
it's interesting to me that being around these groups kind of created that awareness for you that in your vulnerability, in you showing up a certain way, you're helping other people to show up in that way too. Because it does take being in different mm-hmm. circles of people, right? To understand exactly that people think differently, people approach things differently. And so people like talk and show up in different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny because when, you know, when Joe, when you were saying um, that G's a cool guy and G, you're like, mm, I don't think I am. I don't see myself <laughs> as such. It really made me think about, you know, one of the things you said, which was if someone feels seen, they are capable to make space for other people so they can feel seen as well. And, you know, when you say you don't see yourself as a cool guy, it sounds to me as if it is that part of you that is making space for others to feel seen. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Which mm-hmm. is why people do see you as a like extremely <laughs> cool guy. And you're like, no, I'm not. Because this is you. This is partly or one of the ways how you create space for others to be seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, actually, I like that. I like that that idea, and it, it's it's actually making me think and almost refer to a conversation I had with Joe actually um, on the idea of one of the ways um, or part of the process of creating that space. And one of the things that happens is I sometimes remove myself from the equation to create more space uh, to be present for other people. So that's an interesting. Um, um, pick up and a uh, way to think about um, me not seeing myself as a cool guy, which I probably would never see myself as a cool guy. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, like that sentence really resonated with me. You know, if, if you feel seen, you become capable of making other mm-hmm. people feel mm-hmm. seen. And mm-hmm. it, it's, it just needs to start somewhere. It's, it's a small thing, but what you are creating with the spaces you, you make available to people, Mm-hmm. It's it has such a ripple effect that I I don't even think you you can you will never grasp the like the gravity of it. <laughs> like I want to say the, the, mm-hmm. the yes because you know I don't know how many people if we just take the recent event you organized in Montreal to which yeah. uh, Joe went if you just take five of the people that you know attended yeah they have each already created space for one other human being to feel seen 100 that's already 10 people and (laughs) and you know it keeps going and that that's what i find amazing about this if you feel seen you become someone who can make someone else feel Mm -hmm. seen and that's that's huge yeah i i 100 agree with that and that idea so that's specific to feeling seen I could spread that to a few other things, even like having compassion. When you, I feel like when you receive, it actually puts you in a position to want to give more and better. And that is probably, um, I don't know if that question is coming at some point, but that is probably the biggest secret of anything we create is that we create the space but the actual vibe is created by all of us that show up in that space. And it's created by the effect you just described. If I know that 
if we make two or three people at the event, for example, feel seen, the chances are that they will also make two, three other people at that event feel seen. And then when everyone feels seen and valued, then they value everything and everyone around. And then that's that energy that comes up that actually um, makes it feel somewhat special, if I could put it that way. Mm-hmm. I like what you both said. Yeah. Like Larissa, I like what you said about it needs to start somewhere, anything, whether it's vulnerability or, you know, like that space to like see people, to allow people to be seen. It needs to start somewhere in order to grow. And then, G, what you said about just, um, ah, shoot, now it's escaping me, what you just said. (laughs) But uh, my whole thing was within the context of like our podcast, for example, and what we're trying to do, which is encourage people to have honest opinions, to to be vulnerable when it comes to topics like genitalia and their bodies and everything like that. Is there's always that sense too that someone needs to be the first person to do it, right? Everyone is kind of afraid. Everyone is in this space where, you know, I don't want to be the first person to bring up this topic. I don't want to be the first person to like ask these questions because <laughs> then I'm the weird one, or I don't want to make someone else feel uncomfortable, or A, B, C, D. There's all these reasons. But then usually, like at least what we found is that once one person brings it up and it's not a big deal, once that person brings it up and it's a safe space and it's an open space for an actual conversation most people are open to it at least or even like curious and interested mm-hmm. it's just that people aren't yes. able to be the first yeah it takes something else to be that initiating person yeah it's, it's, yeah it, it's hard it's hard and and it, it matters and that's why I like um when you take steps right action breeds more action so um it definitely takes a lot to start doing that stuff. But if you start and you keep doing, and you find that it resonates with more people than you would ever have thought. Um, and I'm pretty sure that's been your experience taking bold steps as uh, y'all are doing. <laughs> <What's that>? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like one, one thing for sure is since, since Joe and I, since, you know, since we started the podcast, I've had very unexpected conversations with people. I thought I would never, ever be able to talk about penises and vaginas and discharge and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, all it took is, and it wasn't even that I started a conversation. They just listened They just happened to listen to a conversation Joe and I were having. And because of that, they ended up making the first step towards having a conversation with me. Mm -hmm. So that's Mm -hmm. actually even like, that's a different kind of, you know, because I don't feel like I'm being the first in anything here. (laughs) Joe and I are just, we're just chatting and we're recording it. That's, that's all we do because We've developed a friendship where we're able to do that. And it is totally safe. I don't feel like I'm doing anything. Mm-hmm. I, I can't remember the word you used, but it, it, we're just chatting. <laughs> Bold was the word. Bold. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, uh, yeah, it, 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 it takes, it still takes a level of vulnerability to have your conversations out there. Cause that's putting yourself um, out there. And it's, if it's in the public, it means you're opening yourself up to lots of different thoughts and reactions to it. So it is bold to go ahead and do that. And right, like 
those residual effects of you being able to have conversations with people based on something that for you feels like, you know, we're just having a conversation and we're recording it and putting it out there for someone that's demystifying or deconstructing something that has been framed so differently for them. And that empowers people um, in that way. If they, Oh, if she can talk about this there with this person, then you know what? I've had these thoughts. Or I've had this idea about it that I was never able to express, but I think that this has encouraged me to try and um, express more. Um, I think we, 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 we tend to underestimate our ability to inspire and influence people near and far. And that is very true. Going a bit big picture because of that, sometimes that's what leaves us in a state of inaction because we're like, Oh, I'm just this person. What can I even do? Um, you can start a conversation, right? Like you did. And that in itself is very powerful. And so I think it's important to attach the correct amount of value to it, but at the same time, not take it too seriously or so seriously so that it alters how you would do it in as far as how authentic and naturally you, you would like it to flow. Um, those are things, for example, I find value in um, just the idea of taking it seriously enough to understand its value but not taking it so seriously as to dilute its authenticity almost. Mm -hmm. This, what you just said, I think is, is such an important point because yeah, if, if you take it too seriously, it becomes something you're selling almost. And it's not, it's not just who you are. And when yeah. you started the conversation, you were literally saying how important, like the difference you're making is because you're just being who you are. You're not, yeah. Yeah. You're not trying to sell anything. Yeah, I, I get that. Do you, like, what would you say is, no, let, let me let me put that differently. <laughs> if you could, like, because, you know, being able to, to be in a space where, you know, everybody feels seen and everybody's making space for other people to see. So everybody's vulnerable or mm -hmm. the majority of the people are vulnerable. Experiencing mm -hmm. that. Like it does something to you. It, it's an amazing feeling. And because I keep thinking, you know, in terms of genitalia and a lot of people are still so afraid of, of how it would feel. And every single time I've experienced having real conversations mm -hmm. with people about that topic, mm -hmm. it feels like it feels so good. <laughs> and I wonder like how, how can you make it palpable for people? Am I making sense? Yes, um, but I think you can clarify it a little more for me. Because like, you know, in, in my head, it's people mm -hmm. are so, so afraid to get there. Yeah. But every single time I have gotten to that place of being vulnerable and sharing, yeah. Yeah. It, it's always felt great. Yes. Always. I've never been, never, never been disappointed. It doesn't yeah. mean that the conversation was in a way that like we agree on everything and whatnot. No, it just felt great to be able to say the things that are on my mind yes. without filter, without, and maybe there is fear of judgment, but mm -hmm. I still go with it. And yeah. the feeling is amazing. And I feel like if people could understand that, could really like 
grasp it, it would make 100%. a difference for them. And I wonder how, how do we make it palpable, graspable for them? Don't ah. know if any of those words exist, but... <laughs> I know I, like, the reason <laughs> the reason I'm asking is because I keep thinking of how I want people together. I want to share this this amazing vision that I have of the world being a place like that. And I keep trying to figure out what are ways to help support people get there. Those who want, at least. Oof, that uh that is that is I don't even know what word to use to call it the, I don't know, that's the magic, that's the everything, that's the crux, that's, that is the thing. Um, so for me, and I relate it to my experience, uh, if I'm allowed to do that, it's more, I know it sounds very general, but I think the first step involves creating the space. I know you hear me say that a million times. So just get used <laughs> to that. It involves creating the space. And I'd like to use like creating a space that's safe, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to move away from that because obviously with the happenings of the last few years, the meaning of that can be a thousand different things. But really the first part is creating a space, which is what um, in my experience we've always tried to do. And what I'm learning now that I've been working on and it's both vulnerable and difficult is also being intentional about those specific things you would like to do and reaching for me, I'm, 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 I reach a lot. So I reach for tools to be able to create the things that matter to me. So when I say intentionality, it's other symbolic things you can do. Is there a setting that drives you in that direction? Are there words you can use that are open and kind of intentional about that? I think for the for the first time, the last two events we did, we actually spoke openly from the beginning, like the very, very beginning. We actually said exactly what we're trying to create. And it's funny because when people first, first hear it, Everyone has a very similar reaction, like, oh, ah, yeah, okay, got it. Vulnerability, cool. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> or I also get the, and I know all the faces, I also get the, yeah, good luck. Good luck doing that with me. <laughs> I don't do that. <laughs> um, but, wow. Yeah, so I think creating a space that is safe is A, and B, I think using all the tools within your reach to be intentional. So speak to people like, cause sometimes we think about it and the same thing, it's taboo. People don't want to do that. How do we make it palpable? Let them know like, Hey, we're trying to have a difficult conversation that we understand is difficult. And we're trying to figure out how to make it palpable with that statement. You just literally made it a little bit more palpable for them just by setting that intention. First of all, what setting are you in? If you go to like a bus stop full of strangers and get a megaphone and be like, hey, all of you, I'm going to need you to shout this super vulnerable thing to the next person. Everyone's going to be like, wait, what are you doing? Right. So the setting as well needs to be intentional. Even if your goal is to be able to do that one day, 
it's important to take stock of where people are at, where things are, where you would like them to get and kind of understand how to get them from that point um, uh, to the next point. But I think it's definitely something important enough that we must continue to try and help people figure out. Um, I think in everything also people matter mm -hmm. and we're not perfect and there's no nice way to put it, but the people that do this matter. And so as far as creating safe spaces, are you someone people can trust? Mm. If you're setting, like if you're the one setting the intention of the one creating the space, what can people trust mm -hmm. about you? Like why should, why should someone want to be vulnerable with you? Even if they're not being vulnerable with you, if you're the one setting the intention, picture it where why should someone want to be vulnerable with you, right? You need, I think anyway, I might be wrong and I'm happy to um, have the conversation, but I think that when people see something or someone they can trust, they find it so much easier to either be vulnerable with them or even want to associate with the things that they speak about, right? So you can't be sitting there holding all your thoughts in your head, burying them under the carpet, and then be a campaigner for people to be vulnerable. I don't think that generally works very well. Um, and that's just my two cents. <laughs> it's interesting that you said trust. And it made me think because up until now, I really thought all it takes for someone else to be vulnerable is that, like, to be vulnerable with you is mm -hmm. that you yourself are vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if, like... Is being vulnerable related to to trust? Because some people, I've ex I've experienced some things in life where, you know, people would be very vulnerable with a complete stranger, mm -hmm. and the only reason that happened was that the stranger was vulnerable first, and that vulnerability mm -hmm. is is that. Would you say that is, in your opinion, what creates the trust? Because, like, I don't know yeah, that person. It's definitely one of the things because the fact that, for example, they share that with you gives you a reason. The same question we asked, which is like, I'm looking for a reason to trust you. Okay, the fact that you've been able to share that with me means you might be open. And because you're open, I think that, and, and remember, this is not maybe the truth. But I'm looking at it from what I would think, right? I think because you're open, I can see you, you're here. So what I'm seeing or what you're projecting towards me must be the reality. Mm -hmm. Therefore, I think I can trust you in that moment based on that interaction. Um, and I, I, I do agree with you as far as vulnerability, breeding vulnerability. It's, it's one of the definitely trusted <laughs> methods that we've been able to... Uh, to lean on and when we do some of our sharing circles it's actually beautiful to see how <laughs> how things progress yes. to go say to <laughs> to go say to the Montreal one for example we had five questions and maybe initially I don't know 10 12 mm -hmm. people guess the number of questions we got through Larissa just not even one out of five yeah. I mean, yeah, one. out of five, one. I, I also kind of know because Joe told me, but I, 
I one, yeah, I one question. I know that kind of vibes, and it's yeah, <laughs> exactly. First of all, the answers kept getting longer and <laughs> deeper as we went, but I think people were as they're going building trust and also starting to see because you see people like you, you see a face, you know their name, but when you start to see the person or the people around you, and then all of a sudden you feel more comfortable being seen by them also, right? Yes, I like that. So That's really deep. Um, I like what you said earlier, <laughs> which was you can make the space for people, but whether or not the people actually engage with it, it's totally up to them. You can't make people do anything, really. Yeah. But this idea as well that being in the presence of someone, feeling that energy, and then maybe even being in a group where you can see the contagious vulnerability in action mm-hmm. amplifies that for, for a person, right? Like the first person ever to share in a circle, again, it's that whole thing. The first person is going to be probably the most scared, the most likely to like, you know, mm-hmm. be guarded, all of those things. But mm-hmm. by the time you get to the third or fourth person, like in that Montreal event situation, people are sharing more because they're <laughs> seeing that it's safe they're also now mm-hmm. relating to other people on a different level, right? You know someone about something about someone else, which just illustrates that, like, this person is just like me. This person is struggling too, or this person is going mm-hmm. through something as well. And it feels like you're bonded now with these people so that by the time you're sharing, you're not sharing with strangers. You're kind of sharing with, like, best friends almost. It gives that vibe. So I think that trust is, in normal spaces, is built over time. It's like long-term friendships, mm-hmm or long-term opportunities of people showing up for you and everything like that. But the way to get it in a group setting quickly with people who are virtual strangers is to make sure that like you're creating that space for the first person to start and then for everybody else to build on that. I feel like that's where mm-hmm. this would be headed because right now we're having conversations just like two people or three people on the podcast, but to have like a giant conference... <laughs> I don't know how giant it could be and actually work. You know what I mean? I don't know. A giant conference of, of 20 people. <laughs> like, uh, exactly. You know, in like a room actually sharing because that's the thing. Like we're, we're speaking between us as like trusted friends in the hopes that people find their own mm-hmm. circles, people find their own communities and are able to have these conversations with their own best friends and their own, exactly. you know, but genuinely the entire world should be able to talk about this. We as a society, like we truly believe people should be able to have these conversations because there's nothing taboo and there's nothing secret or shameful or anything, right? So at this point, maybe people can only talk to their close friends, but ideally people should be able to talk to anyone and be honest and authentic, you know? That's like the dream. I agree. <laughs> Big dream. It is It is indeed the, it is indeed the dream. Um, and I think it's I think it's 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 doable to a large extent. I also just happen to think there's probably two parts to it. Um, and this just came as you were speaking. One part is like the part you say it is like empowering and making it so that people are able to be authentic and their true selves. But how much time and energy do we invest? in the other side so the recipient of this information like we've been able to create a space that 
allows people to share. But what if, as more people became comfortable and willing to be vulnerable and share with others, what about if we made it so that more people were comfortable spaces for people to share also? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. So what if, if, you, if you think of this vulnerability as some crazy liquid or material we're holding that we want to be able to pour and of people that we can pour into as containers. Right now, I feel like it's hard enough for me to let this go, but also the containers I would pour into are all shut, closed. Mm. So I think the idea of, for, for it to work, I think we need to be more empowered and comfortable to speak and have these conversations but we also need to learn and be empowered on how to create the space to allow others to be vulnerable with us and also being a more open container because it's also not just about being open to this vulnerability it's when someone's vulnerable with me what do i do with that vulnerability what do i do with that information can i even process or handle what i'm now being talked to about in that moment because there's different layers and levels of vulnerability there's taboo topics there's difficult experiences and that's also one of the things that i feel like we've been always aware of but it's also something i spend a lot of time intentionally thinking about what happens before the during and after that vulnerability is actually shared and it doesn't look very intentional what happens it doesn't look very intentional but it actually is very intentional mm. um and so that's the thought that i'd like to almost challenge us with is how important is it for the containers to be open and for the containers to know how to contain you know am i pulling up with like a plastic bucket to handle this super acidic material <laughs> went all the way with that metaphor okay (laughs) so i'm i'm i'll i'll go with it and you you tell me if uh, if if this relates to what you were just saying g yeah um as you were speaking and you mentioned you know there are different layers of vulnerability there's for example taboo topics and then for example difficult experiences Mm -hmm. Um, I wonder, because that's where I'm standing at right now, I wonder if, you know, talking about difficult experiences feels like it is difficult, not because it is necessarily or intrinsically difficult, but because it, like the roots of that taboo experience, uh, that difficult experience is a taboo, you, you know, where mm-hmm. I'm getting at? So basically the difficult experience in itself is is diff- is a difficult experience but talking about it is made difficult because it originates in a taboo taboo as well meaning yeah. a difficult experience is actually at the same level as a taboo hmm. yeah i i can i can Wait, i, I, I can i can definitely <laughs> <laughs> let's hear it no, no i'm just I think I understand, but I'm going to need a concrete example on this because I 
I know when G was talking about taboos, that's one thing. And then difficult conversations that are around difficult experiences. I think that's another thing. But this idea that speaking on a difficult experience becomes a taboo, like I'm going to need a little bit more. <laughs> okay, let me, let me give you an example. So for example, grief mm-hmm. is, I, I would say it can be a difficult experience. And it is not necessarily an easy conversation to have when you want to share what you're going through with, you know, a random person. Rape is the same, I would say. Not the same type of experience, but it is the same kind of difficult topics to address. And it is a difficult experience. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason why grief and rape are difficult topics to talk about, not why they're difficult experiences, that's something else. But the reason why it is difficult to talk about those things, I don't think it's because the experience in itself is difficult. I believe it is because the core of that experience is a taboo topic. We don't talk about grief. We don't talk about rape. Whether, you know, it's actually you that have that has experienced it or you know someone, unrelated to, you know, having experienced it, It is a taboo topic, and it's because that thing is a taboo in the first place that talking about an experience in that realm becomes a difficult experience. Because G was saying he sees different levels of vulnerability, and when speaking about the difficult experiences, there was also this aspect, and I agree 100% with that, it's if you're the person receiving vulnerability in that moment, Are you able to to take it? And that has that brings in a different component compared to just talking about rape mm-hmm. without having experienced it or listening to someone who has experienced it. And so, yeah. So it's not to say that the difficult experience is a taboo, but talking about a difficult experience is, yeah, mm-hmm. in short, also difficult because it's actually a taboo. That. That clarifies because I'm I'm yeah. trying to see if there is. I, I was just trying to see if there is actually a difficult experience that is not related to a taboo and therefore would actually be something that feels easier to talk about, even though it is a difficult experience. I I don't have I don't have an example, mm-hmm. but I bet it exists. I was gonna say I have thoughts on that that are not necessarily aligned with the direction that you're going in. But I'm just curious what G was going to say about this before I, I asked for clarification. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I mean, I wasn't going to say too much. I, I think I, I agree with that idea. Um, I think there's some, there's the certain layers where the, nature of the experience or the nature of talking about the experience being taboo makes it even more difficult than it originally would be to talk about for sure. But I think that's more of an intersection between the actual difficulty of the experience and talking about that experience. So for example, you brought up something like say, say rape it's a difficult experience it's also difficult to talk about and in certain settings has been taboo to talk about it so you almost get both mm-hmm. sides the difficulty of the experience in itself makes it hard to talk about and then it has also been taboo to talk about it, which makes it even more difficult so 
I think there's definitely things like examples like that one, or there's something like, you know, someone losing a job. That's difficult for some people to talk about. It's a difficult experience, but it's not necessarily taboo. No one's going to be like, oh, this person was talking about this, or this person said that. I think over centuries even, it hasn't been such a major taboo. So it might be difficult. It might be vulnerable for someone to tell you that they don't feel secure in their financial situation. For example, it's, it, people don't go around saying that to everyone, but it's also not necessarily a taboo topic per se. So it is difficult to talk about with everyone, but it's a different layer. And it's also, I think, I think the more removed it is from being such an internalized personal experience, the easier it becomes to speak about, even if it's difficult. That's just my, my thought. But I, I, I think I think both exist, mm. and definitely the idea of something being taboo makes it more difficult. There's some things for sure where if they weren't taboo to talk about, they'll definitely be easier to talk about, but they're not because of um, the, the way people perceive them. So. Mm. Yeah, no, you're... You're very right, and I can see that. Yeah. Like, yeah, there is. When you said intersection, I was like, yeah, yeah, that's on point. So that's all I'm gonna say. I Joe, was gonna go say ahead. I love everything you just said because that's exactly the direction I was gonna go into. No, not exactly. <laughs> you said it better than I would. <laughs> but, uh, similar, similar, definitely. Because I, I think first of all, the two things you mentioned about insecurity and then not having that internalized personal experience. There's so many things that are universal to human beings. There's so many things that happen to a lot of people that still feel very vulnerable and that people are not able to talk about. They have nothing to do with taboos, right? We have the societal taboos that we know, but um, genitalia, every human has it, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, it, why is there any, it's because we were stuck in this, like, <laughs> I think there's a mindset that we're unique, that whatever we're going through is very, very personal. And I can't talk about it because it's a source of shame or guilt or something. But you look at some of these topics, yeah. and you're like, like what you said, losing a job. Most people throughout their entire career, you know, working 60 years or whatever, have lost a job at some point. It is not that unique of an experience. And it's not taboo either. Yeah. But it's because we do have that belief that we're alone in this thing, that this thing is terrible. And now we can't share with anyone. Like... All kinds of random, even as we found out, and we were talking about this recently in another episode, like rape, sexual assault and rape Mm -hmm. are way more common than people believe. So there is just huge groups of people who have decided that they're alone in this experience and they can't talk about it. But when you actually look at it, it's very, very common. Like as soon as you talk about being sexually assaulted, you'll find that, you know, you'll definitely have at least someone in a group of 10 people who can relate to that experience. So that's where that it's not even about the taboo it's almost a self-isolating thought like train of train of thought where as soon as we think we're special in whatever the thing is in a bad way then Mm -hmm. we definitely can't talk about it because we're not like other people yeah that's what that made me think of yeah no i definitely I definitely feel that in, in, in how society treats um, a lot of these things, the idea, and that's that speaks to, again, when we started this conversation, one of the reasons I do a lot of what I do is that same experience 
And when you're put in a privileged position, I think it becomes even more important to project that, look, I'm in this privileged position, but here's what I go through. And me sharing it empowers someone that might not be in that privileged position to also um, share. It kind of demystifies some of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, no, I definitely yes. agree with that, that idea. Hmm. It's Joe, when you were when you were speaking about, you know, how there are certain things we all experience them. We all have genitalia. But for some reason, as you were saying, we've decided that, yeah, it's just me and I'm the awkward person and and all of that. So so yeah, I I ain't gonna say anything about it. It is that is, you know, what I've experienced over time. It's like as soon as you start sharing, you will have one person, regardless of what it is your penis, your, your rape, your anything you start sharing, you will find one person at least that can relate to it. And, and it, this kind of brings me back to when you and G were kind of sharing how, you know, the event in Montreal went, you know, the first person shares and then it's like not a lot, then someone else shares and it's a little bit more. Because every person tries, starts to actually see the person who's sharing. And then they feel like, oh, you know what? Like, there is actually someone in there. And that person looks kind of like me. And it's okay to see her or him. So maybe it's okay for me to be seen as well. And I, I, I almost want to say it's, it's like being vulnerable is realizing that you're not that special. <laughs> Yeah. And yo, (laughs) that you're not, you're not that special and your crap is everyone else's crap. That's a, that's actually an interesting way to look at it. Yeah. Like you're not, and it's funny, I've never thought of it like that, but that's actually one of my, like it's one of the lines I say the most, especially to people I care about, my siblings included, is every time from both the positive and negative side, I know I'm sidetracking a little bit, but it's like when you do good, and this is, I think when we had our introduction, I was like, I'm a never too low, never too high kind of guy. It's like yeah. when I'm doing great things and everything's going amazing and feedback is great, everyone around me thinks it's great. I always remind myself, like, even in this greatness, you're really not that special. So kind of stay grounded. But the opposite for me is also true when you're going through something difficult or something that's, you know, that people shouldn't talk about, even with like my Thursday night roar, is like, I talk about things, I'm like, this is what I'm feeling, this is what I'm thinking. It's like, your circumstances are not that unique. And I learned, I'll share something that I'm like, no one would ever say this, but I'm just going to say it. And then afterwards, people message me and be like, yo, like that experience, yo, those thoughts, that's crazy. I've been feeling like that. So I'm like, well, why don't we, if we're all feeling this, what makes it so difficult then? <laughs> this, I want to yell, about. man. This is what I feel. <laughs> right. Yeah, so I feel you. Yeah, I definitely resonate very strongly with that. Um, but yeah, I guess we, we got to keep talking <laughs> so that we realize we're really not that special. Yeah. No. Um, for people who are not aware of what the Thursday Night War is, let me just quickly, again, this is my job today, is just to let people know this man is 
Thursday night war is his life. She has these regular lives, like Facebook lives, where he just shares some thoughts. You know, honest, very upfront, very um, <laughs> authentic thoughts about what's going on. So yeah, mm-hmm. people should tune in. I love them. They're so interesting. Yeah, they they became therapeutic at a point. Um, yo, you, and actually, you guys, um, I feel like I'm intruding by asking questions, but I'll just share experience. Like doing your podcast together, have you guys like learned things about each other doing the podcast that you're like, whoa, like we never ever spoken <laughs> about that, but it just it just comes out at some point randomly, <laughs> like <laughs> mid discussion. <laughs> That's interesting. I'm going to, can I jump ahead or do you want to go yeah. first? No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm no, curious. No, the reason it's interesting <laughs> is because we, we will like get together and talk about topics, for example, or things we want to touch on our themes and things like that. And as soon as a theme comes up, even before the recording, we start to talk about things and we discover things right from that conversation. Like we just, you know what I mean? We'll think maybe we're aligned on something and find that we actually think completely different things or we'll just learn like random details about each other. And it's like, what? And it's so interesting that being good friends, we're still able to do that within a pretty small context, right? Like the themes obviously are out, like around the podcast are going to be similar within the same, you know what I mean? Like umbrella of, of things. So it's interesting to me that even within this small umbrella, we're still able to discover things let alone, you know what I mean, the wider world, like so many different things we could end up talking about where we'll discover new things. But just this small umbrella of like genitalia and body awareness and all those things is enough that every so often we're like, like for real, like that happened? Or, you know, you know this thing to that place? Like, it's crazy. Yeah, so that's that's another reason why um, uh, I... I enjoyed doing that i'll be talking to people that i've known for years and we're live and i'm sitting there you can see it sometimes in my face i'm like bro like you never you never told me that before (laughs) how's this This, the time (laughs) this is so funny because you know earlier at some point joe you were saying how yeah like being vulnerable with strangers is i can't remember exactly how you said it but it was about you know how there is already trust when you have like a very close friend versus a stranger you you don't know them you don't have anything that tells you can I trust this person or not you you have no data on that person mm-hmm. a friend you have lots of data like there's there's trust I mean it's your friend it's even your fam like your brother your mom your dad like it's it's mm-hmm. your people mm-hmm. and still you know as G was just saying we've been friends for years and you're like you you, you never told me, come on. Yeah. <laughs> and, and this is, this is, I find, you know, another great example of how I feel like sometimes it takes even more than just trust to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Cause like, there are so many people like I would, I would literally trust them with my life, but there are some things we've never talked about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do I still trust that person? I, I, I think I do. Maybe, you know, that's another, that's something else I need to reflect on. What, what does trust actually mean? But that's, you know, that's where I feel like, yes, there needs to be some degree of trust, but it's, I feel like it's, 
yeah, it's, 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 yeah, it's a bare minimum. It's, it's not enough because otherwise, mm -hmm. yeah, we wouldn't, we wouldn't keep, you know, you wouldn't receive messages after your Thursday roar and, and be like, dude, <laughs> you never told me how come like you do? No, not possible. How yeah. come we've never talked about it? And, but I like, I like that. I, I love that it is, you know, having those conversations and literally just, it's you being vulnerable. I, I'm, I was almost going to say you exposing yourself, but I, I <laughs> censored myself because I actually do not like that way of seeing it because mm -hmm. just using that language makes it, makes it something I don't actually want it to be. I don't think it's you exposing yourself. It's, mm -hmm. it's just you sharing, which is a very different, different way to look at it and to, to, to go at it. So yeah, you doing that is, it is a powerful thing. So yeah, I had a thought. I lost my, my train of thought here. I, I actually had a thought based off of what you just said, as far as like being vulnerable with strangers and then also the idea of trust. And it was kind of like a two part thought. And part of it was because we a know them already. Is it also that just as much as we don't have um, a lot of reason to trust them, we also don't have enough about, we don't know enough about them to not trust them. That was one part of it. And then the second part was when you know someone well, and you know, you're going to see them, you know, they're in your life. Does it feel like a burden you don't have to carry? Like if you share it with them and they react negatively and they're a stranger, you feel like you don't have to carry that around with you because guess what? They're a stranger. don't have to see them again. Whereas if it's someone that Ooh. is already in your life, you know that the next time you see them, you're probably going to think about that judgment or it's something you still are going to have to work through or resolve. And because there's some things you'll find that the closest people to you are the last people you want to share with because mm -hmm. a, they know you or they're supposed to know you. And, you know, them knowing that part of you, they're like, ah, oh, now that messes with what you already know or how you gonna look at me now that I add this to what you already know or I've, I've always known, right? That, yeah. Whew. That's very, very interesting. It's making me think of how willing people are to go to therapy and tell a complete stranger about all their stuff. And they cannot mm -hmm. open up to like their spouse or their child or their parent or their friend about the same thing. There is that mm -hmm. weight when it's people that you know and people that you're going to have to be around. There's that weight that now they have this thing. They know this thing about you. And because they're part of your life, that thing is now also permanently a part of your life. Like their knowledge of the thing carries its own weight. Whether the thing happened to you and you, you're dealing with it is irrelevant. It's not another person has a piece of that thing and is still in your mm -hmm. life and is having an opinion about it. You know what I mean? And it doesn't even have to be a bad one. Like it just is that now this person mm -hmm. views me differently. And because this person is an important part of my life, that view of me will permanently exist in my in my perspective, in my realm, you know, of existence, like, because mm -hmm. technically, yeah, we're super close with family. We're super close with our parents sometimes or with our siblings or whatever, but you're, you're right. You were saying sometimes those are people we don't even want to share certain things with. Mm 
<laughs> Sometimes in the last week, I have people. Oh my god, I I I have thoughts. Yes. Can I? <laughs> <laughs> Whew. Like no, what what you both said just now, it's um, it's so important, and it's actually making me reflect on on myself. I'll go to that later. But the so you know when you were saying actually, yeah, it it seems like it's even harder to be vulnerable with close people. The closer the person is, the the more difficult it is. And Joe, when you you said something, and that's that's where I was going. It's I I look at it almost as when you're being vulnerable, you're actually being your true self. That's how I see it. And that is usually not the person you are like 24-7. You might be it every now and then during your day-to-day life, but that's not who you are all the time. But when you get to be very vulnerable with a stranger, I feel like it's almost creating a parallel world where you exist as your very true self. Mm-hmm. And you can keep it there. It stays there. It is not part of your day-to-day life, which makes it very nice because you give yourself almost the feeling, I can be who I am. I can be my true self. And it's like, pat on the shoulder. But in reality, you are just creating a parallel world and you're lying to yourself. And I'm using big words. Lying to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. But I like, let me, let me say, I feel like I just realized I am lying to myself and cause yeah, it takes so much more to be vulnerable in your actual current, very real context and life. Cause there you don't get to take a vacation from your real self. If you are your real self 24 seven, then that's it. There is no escaping from it. There is no, you just got to deal with it. 24 seven. And that is, that takes so much more. And, you know, now I'm realizing, so that's, that's where I'm gonna not critique. I'm, I'm, I'm doing self-reflection here. I'm like, you know, Joe, this is, this is me. Like, I was like, so we're chit-chatting here on the podcast, but what, what am I doing in my own life? And, you know, the people I see every day, I'm not chatting with all of them that way. I am not being, you know, that vulnerable every now and then in selected context. And yeah, I, I got to think about that now. <laughs> so thank you to the both of you. You've, uh, man. I love that. Yeah. I was going to, I was going to, I was going to stare another thought as dancers. How many of that use dance that oh. way to exist as a separate person? No. He did not bring the no, wait, 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 wait. Come again. Come again. <laughs> you gotta you gotta repeat that, G. I just said as dancers, how many of that of us use the dance scene or dance to go and exist as a person outside mm-hmm. ourselves? Because that's another life I can just step in and step out of. And it's like safe in another corner where they don't really know me. They don't really see me. There's not a lot of collateral damage with anything that happens in there. Yes. Yes. What you just said, like it, it ties into so many things we've said in a, in a couple yeah. episodes. Mm-hmm. It's, I believe that, yes, we're using the dance scene as a, as a place where we can be a person we actually want to be. And 
we could be that person every day, but for some reason we choose not to like specifically related to this, this podcast and the whole thing we were talking about physical intimacy, not as physical, physical, uh, physical intimacy, like in sex, but just touching people, being physically close to people. It is such a taboo in real life. Mm You, you, you barely touch your brother or your sister, even same sex people, the way we do it on the dance floor. And yeah, man, no. <laughs> you've made me discover that I'm a liar. That's how I'm going to end this. Uh, <laughs> that's how I'm ending this uh, conversation. No, I know there's liar. room for improvement. Deal Let's just that. say there's room for improvement. Like we are. Yeah. I don't know. Better. I'm like, I'm being very <laughs> acceptant of that uh, discovery. And it's, um, yeah, that's why I said like I'm using big yeah. words. Yeah. But yeah. So I'm I'm curious because I, I kind of want to get, you know, some tips while we have you, G. Like, like give us that tea. You were saying something about people come to you, people open up to you, people who you wouldn't expect sometimes share things with you. How can yeah. all of us, how can people work on being that type of container? How can people work on holding space and on being you know the big plastic tub <laughs> that can receive the the sharing from from others Oof. that's a very good question and i've been asked a lot of things in my life about different things i haven't had that one asked quite like that um <laughs> it's funny though because and this is i guess in the in the interest of being vulnerable is people ask that question a lot in relation to a more on a more corporate level. So they ask it relating to like creating an event or as Zambia has then you ask me as like as a container, the person. Um I I I I I don't know if I have tips, but I can share what I do and what I believe. And hopefully even a small part of it resonates. Um, full disclosure, a lot of the time I like to hide behind the millions of characters that um, that I guess exist in my body. Um, even when you've heard me, I think, do events under Zambi House where like, I literally did everything from A to Z. But when we talk about the event, I would say Zambi House did or we did mm-hmm. because it kind of allows me to detach myself from it. Um but on a one-to-one level as a, as a human being, the most important thing for me, and I don't know if this is the easiest for people or the hardest, is I actually really care about loving people. I don't know if there's, there's a way to present this in a way that's transferable to another person, but I sincerely, from like my core, care about loving people. I also care about trying, based on what I can see and what I have, which might be wrong or right, to leave people in a better state than I find them. And that means being open to actually being completely wrong about what I think making them better or helping them be better or feel better is. I'm, I like that. I've also learned to be open with people as far as how they need or want to be supported. And... Sometimes it means letting them know that A, I'm there, and B, that I will try and being consistent with that. Um, And I'm not going to lie, it's hard because a lot of 
what you fight or who you fight when it comes to those things is with yourself. It's asking yourself, how can I love better? How can I give better? And it sometimes involves a lot of being self-critical, right? So when I go or think about how I met this person, I'm like, I've arrived in a place, it's full of strangers. That person is sitting over there. How can I love them? I'll, I'll tell you a little quick story as far as how authentic I take this. And I don't advise that you do this. I was at a festival in Dallas and I'm sitting down closer to the end of the night. No, maybe an hour before the party is over. So it's been going on for two, three hours. And I see a lady sitting, complete stranger. Do not know this lady well. Um, maybe not complete stranger because I've seen her on social media and stuff, but we've never spoken or like had a conversation. I look at her and I'm like, she looks tired. This is Monday after a festival, mm. a dance festival. And I'm like, I'm feeling everything in me is like, show her some love. And I'm like, how? She looks tired. I don't think she needs a dance from me. And I walked up to her, sat next to her, did not say a thing. And I started to massage her feet. <laughs> this is as weird an interaction as it gets. But I honestly, genuinely believed that's one way I could show her love in that moment. Of course, there, it, there, was, there was an approach. I sat next to her and I was making sure, like, is this cool? And she seemed happy with it. And we actually spoke about it after. And she was like, I have no, like, there's no way I'm letting anyone touch me. But in that moment, the nonverbal communication was such that it's really actually what I needed in that moment. But it's also weird that a stranger just kind of feels and knows that. So a lot of it is that I trust my intention mm -hmm. as a person that's trying to provide love and understand that might not always land the way I want but I trust it and follow through consistently. And I think once you figure out what your intentions are and be true to them, I, I feel like you should never stop pushing how much you can tap into that. I don't know everyone is intuitive, but I think even if you're more on the logical side and you've figured out exactly what you want to do and how you want to show up in people's lives, you can always go back to that and constantly check if... Um, you're consistently doing that and how you can do that better. So for me, it's just being aware that when I'm interacting with someone, I am a container and making sure that when I'm present with someone, I'm really listening and hearing them. When I'm unsure, when I'm unclear, ask them. People know best how to be loved. And even when they don't know, you might help them figure it out by asking them. And then that way... Um, I think you can show up more authentically for them because you're showing up with what they need because it's it's not a one-size-fits-all solution for for everyone. So um, I don't know if I answered your question mm -hmm. or gave you any specific tips, but that's how I go about it. And um, I think, or I hope at least, that when people interact with me, if they feel nothing else, it's the fact that I'm sincerely willing to try to show them love. I think that's 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 the crux of my whole being. That is beautiful. Yeah. So on that wonderful, loving, caring, beautiful note, 
uh, there, there are not even enough words, right? Like I'm just <laughs> throwing out a few words, but uh, this is this is awesome. G, thank you for being our guest. Thank you for joining us, giving us some of your time, being vulnerable, being honest, being just yourself. We really, really appreciate having you on the podcast. Uh, yeah, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Um, yeah, what can I say? Just love, just vibes. <laughs> this is like his tagline, guys. <laughs> just love, just vibes. Just love, just vibes. <laughs> yeah, Larissa, do you have anything to add to this? Everything that you said, and no, I am like this episode was special because it's it's so different from the things we've been. It is so related to the topic, but at the same time, it is almost like an umbrella to what we're doing. I want to say, and like, yeah, I personally got a lot out of talking with you, G and Joe, and I'm. I'm just in a in a special space right now and enjoying it. So thank you for yeah bringing me there. <laughs> thank you. That's yeah. it. All right, people, you know the drill. You know where to hit us up on social media or as comments on the podcast wherever you stream your podcasts. Uh, you can find us at Not a Purse. That's N O T A P U R S E. And uh, we'll see you in the next episode. Bye. Bye.